Here's what's coming up on this week's show. There's a logical reason in your dream why he wasn't, or in your life, why he wasn't supposed to shag the chicken. Well, it's just wrong, isn't it? Because it's not normal. It's just like, you know, chickens and cats (laughs) and and sex. It's just, it's not a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Beat. Welcome to The Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to The Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Now, if you're listening to this show for the very first time right now, Hi. Don't forget to uh, make sure that you press the subscribe or the follow button so you get future episodes directly into your phone device and uh, leave us your feedback too. We'd love to know what you think by the time you get to the end of the episode. Now, I do need to change the mood a little bit here, Claire. You do. And get a little bit closer into the microphone because we're talking about um, a slightly dreamy, sleepy topic. In fact, we're talking about sleep today, aren't we? We are. So you need to let your mind relax and open up that so- <laughs> can't take you seriously when I you do that. Can you do that? Do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Straight, face. Right, straight face. Straight face. Straight face. Say, say okay. that again. Say that so again. we need to open our minds and to be thinking yeah. about how we can relax. I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. And sleep. In all seriousness, we're talking about how to run a business in your sleep today. We are. And it's a really interesting topic because I've never really thought about what happens to our brains when we are asleep, but um, I think this one's going to be particularly interesting. The reason why we thought this might be an interesting topic is because we all know sleep is important, but perhaps we take it for granted and don't often think about why sleep is important, how much of it we should be getting, what we should be doing with that sleep, because the things you do when you're asleep can have a positive or a negative impact on the things that you do when you're awake. So being better at sleeping and being better about how you think when you're sleeping can have a big influence on the way your business grows. Yeah, absolutely. I've always looked at sleeping as a waste of time, to be honest. I've always been cross with myself if I've overslept through the alarm. Yeah, so it's going to be... I'd really be um, open to finding out more about how we can control our thought process when maybe we're not aware that we're actually doing it in the first place. Okay, so let's talk all things sleep today. How much you need how you get the best sleep and what you do when you're asleep to make sure you're more productive when you're awake, how you can actually run your business in your sleep. We're going to the Netherlands today and we're going to speak to dream expert and sleep coach Nicolina Dawes Isima. I think I've got that right. Sounded pretty good, I think. I was I was quite impressed with it myself and it was in my best Dutch. Um <laughs> So are you sitting comfortably? Do you want some hot chocolate before we begin or you're okay? I've got my slippers on, so I'm ready. This is the Big Little Business Show. Here we go! All right, so big question first. Nicolina, how important is sleep for us? Oh gosh, it's going to make you so much smarter. I love sleep. Now, to be completely fair with you... I've loved sleep since I was a child and all, all of the things I've figured out so far based on research that I've read has given me an excuse to sleep in and a way to feel actually good about it instead of, you know, lazy. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Because if you, I feel guilty if I don't wake up early. I think I've wasted the day and I should get up. Yeah, most people do. There's this really weird bias in, in our brains of like, if we actually see a person physically do something, that's productive. If you get to work at 7 a.m., you're productive. And if you get to work at 11, but you stay really late, then somehow you're lazy. So have I got to stop telling off my 20-year-old daughter for sleeping in every morning 
that because she's actually being productive. You really, really need to. And also, side note, um, she's now in the age where her circadian rhythms shift a little bit. She's at the latest of it. But the minute someone goes into teenagers, your hormones are just going to keep you awake at night. And it's almost impossible to wake up in the morning. So it's literal torture to make our teenagers get out of bed at seven to be at school because it's like you would get up, have to get up at 4 a.m. every morning and you just didn't get enough rest. Um, if people experiment with, um, and this has happened all over the world, with just opening schools two hours later for teenagers, their grades go up immediately and not just a little bit, but like by points, by doing nothing else than letting kids sleep. Isn't that amazing? Wow. I'm definitely not, definitely not telling my teenager that. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people have different amounts of sleep. Some people can survive on a small amount. Other people, you know, need to have a, a lot more. So in your opinion, what happens if we don't get enough? Well, there's been a lot of research on that, um, which is really easy. You just put people in a lab and wake them up when they don't want to. And if you don't sleep you lose a lot of memory. Like you can't really retain new information anymore. You, it's really hard to come up with creative thoughts. You can, you can do like your routine things, but coming up with something new is really hard. Impulse control is so hard. Like people get super cranky because they just want to let it all out. Judgment goes down. So making a good decision, making decisions, fine. Super impulsive, making a good decision. Now that's hard. Alertness, oh my gosh, it, it just completely ruins it. If people drive around in a car sleep deprived you and you measure that against people who are drunk drivers the sleep deprived people actually do worse and your immune system goes down and your metabolism goes down so it's not fun at all um and coffee doesn't even help you because it feels it feels good we feel like more alert and more happy but there's been a really funny research where they let people do little tests we just had to push the button on the computer and sure enough, people with a lot of sleep made fantastic decisions. People who were sleep deprived made worse decisions. But the worst people were the coffee drinkers because they were tapping buttons left and right and having to go back and check their work and redo it and fix all the mistakes that they made. So coffee is not your friend here. That's really interesting because I guess with the coffee, it makes you think you're more awake than you actually are. Well, yeah, you're you're you feel awake, but you're not smarter, not at all. It it can you're you're as slow as a person who thinking as a person who's sleep deprived normally is. It's just you act faster, so it makes you super jumpy. I no doubt you you're aware of this book by Robin Sharma called The Five AM Club, yeah. which uh, get has has had massive success and for those of you who don't already know the book is about Robin talking about the virtues of getting up at five o'clock in the morning how that can make you so much more productive what you can do with those extra hours and how all that can help to make your business grow but we do we really have to get up at five o'clock in the morning surely we don't it depends on how you measure productivity really like if you what you need to do is put um i don't know bottle caps on bottles you don't need your brain for that. So yeah, if you get up at 5 a.m., you have more literal time to do the literal thing. So yeah, you're more productive. But the minute you need thinking time, it seems that part of getting your brain ready to do that happens at sleep. In fact, it goes beyond that because here this whole thing of productivity and sleep is based on the assumption that when you fall asleep, your brain kind of simmers down and sort of goes into night mode, and then in the morning it starts up again. That is not true. That is not even a little bit true. 
thinking is a process that happens day and night. It's like a continuous process. And a large part of all that brain activity happens at night. And if you don't do it, your brain is going to try and catch up. Do you know that feeling when you're just really tired and your brain keeps zoning out all the time? That's your brain trying to catch up on REM sleep because that is a huge part of our thinking process. Take away part of the process, thinking won't be as good anymore. So for knowledge workers, I would say, sure, get up at 5 a.m., but you better make sure you go to bed hella early. Otherwise, you're robbing yourself of a large part of your thinking process, which means that the end product isn't going to be as good. So like, do you want to do a lot or do you want to do a lot of good stuff? That's the question. Hmm. So it's quality. It's, it's, yeah, what you want to do, that's the right activity. So you mentioned about REM um, there. Why do you think some people maybe need more sleep than others? Um, is it to do with what happens when our brain is active when we're sleeping? That's a very interesting question that doesn't have a real answer yet. It is true that some people need eight hours, some people need seven, six, some people want to have 10 hours. I wish I had an answer. I do know there's a lot of people who boast that they only need four hours, but then you look at the quality of your work and think, mm, are you really making that smart decision, CEO who just bolsters rounds with four hours of sleep and thinks you're the, on top of the world? Or do you think that because your judgment is so impaired by your sleep deprivation? Usually when you measure, it's the latter. We've established already people need different amounts of sleep. When people go to bed and get up, that's different according to the person. So it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone needs to get up at five o'clock to be productive. Uh, you know, it depends on your own rhythm. A lot of what you do to make sure that you get better sleep happens before you go to bed, doesn't it? It really does. Because what you want to do is make sure that your hormones make you sleepy. And that literally starts when you wake up. Now, this is not my knowledge. It's coming from Sleep Lab in Virginia. Like I have a lot of sleep expert friends, but they all agree on that. If you see daylight in the morning, like exactly when you wake up, you know, open the curtains, let it in your eyes. That's when your body is already triggered to start making your sleep hormones melatonin. If you skip that step and, you know, get up in the dark and go to work in the dark and sit in a dark office all day, it's harder to feel sleepy at night. Taking a run in the morning would be amazing because it gets in all that sunlight in your eyes. You feel alert all day and sleepy all night. Another tip that they gave me was fantastic. Like we have all these screens with like really bright blue light at us, but in nature, usually blue light only happens around noon, if at all. So we get an overdose of that, which keeps our brain so awake but almost every device these days has an, a setting which is usually filed under accessibility to filter your screen with a red filter or with a tint over it so that your light is more aligned to what you naturally would do. Like I switched my phone to a tinted filter and immediately I had better sleep just because my brain could do its work and make the right hormones based on the light that I was seeing. Gosh, I never thought about that. No, me but neither. That's great. And mm. I'm sitting here looking at screens all day. So maybe mm. I need to start looking at my filters. I love this. And of course, all the other thing you read in every magazine, it's, it's 2021. No one thinks that sleeping in a light room with lots of uh, stuff around and when it's messy is good for you. Of course, you want to have it like a nice dark room with fresh air and everything. But those are things I don't have to tell you. There's the other thing about... Um, 
which I'm I'm a real big believer of, and not having any gadgetry or screens or anything in your bedroom. I think you have a lot of people who support you there. I find it hard. I'm not a disciplined person myself. I'm I'm I have all these ideas and then I just want to jot them down really quickly. And I'm I'm too tired too well I say tired. I mean I'm too lazy to write all the time. So I, I record on my iPhone. So you're not touching that, Paul. But yes, I agree. Um, I've had this happen to myself time and time again, and it's happened to me for years. The best ideas I ever come up with for business or, you know, the strategies that I'm going to be putting in place, the ideas come to me at four o'clock in the morning. And I've never understood that. Um, I actually do make a note of them. I have to say I don't use my phone. I um, have a notepad and a pen and I have to write them down because sometimes I don't always remember them if I go back to sleep again. I love that. You're not the only one. So many people have that. In fact, um Fun history fact, before we had artificial lights, um, basically prolonging our day and condensing our sleep, um, it was a very given thing. You see it in literature and everything that people talked about first sleep and second sleep. And I thought, what's that? Well, if you get up early enough, you get get to bed, I mean, early enough and um, you sleep. At some point, you're going to wake up and it's usually around 4 a.m., and then maybe people would do something, do some light housework, write some poetry, I don't care, and then go to sleep again and get the second part of their sleep. What is super interesting from a neurology perspective is what I learned about what we do with our brains in the sleep. So let's say you have eight hours just because it's a nice measuring. Um, those first four hours is mainly focused on deep sleep, which is mainly focused on processing information, storing it, and restoring the body. You really need that, obviously. And then the second part of the sleep is very much focused on, okay, you got all this information, you've nicely stored it, you've processed it, everything you saw from the corner of your eye, the movie, something someone said you'd already consciously forgotten, it's all stored. Then the brain starts working with that. And I mean making new connections. That is what happens a lot in REM sleep. In the latter hours, you have a lot more REM sleep. In the last hour, if you, if you really get your eights, usually almost all REM sleep. This is why people who get to sleep in every day usually have a lot more dreams than people who have to cut their sleep short with alarm clocks. Because all of that um, bilateral thinking, if you will, that happens usually when you get your REM sleep. And that's often also where the great ideas come from. Yeah, see, now I have that thing first thing in the morning as well where I get my best ideas, but I'm awake when I have my good ideas and it's normally when I go out for a run. And I know we're going to talk about sort of yeah, having quality thinking time when you're awake. Maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later on. But is that to do with my sleep patterns, the fact that I get more clarity first thing in the morning or is that more to do with the activity? Um, yes and yes. I want to take you through a little neurology about the fact that our brains don't have an off and on button. Like basically you're always conscious at some level and your brain is always working unless you're dead. If you put a person in an MRI scanner and you say, okay, let's do some tasks and see what brain lights up when you do what, like lift your left leg and then, okay, wait for the next task, do some math. And then in between tasks is usually when you see the most brain activity, because when you have nothing to do and just, you know, an fMRI scanner to stare at, or maybe when you're running or are in the shower doing the dishes or sleeping, when there's no focused activity, it's almost like our brains are like, oh, finally, some peace and quiet. Now we can do some work. 
that's where you're going to get your ideas from, from that work that your brain automatically always does in the background, unless you forcefully focus it on activity on the outside. So there's always this constant shift between your brain getting to do the, what, what I call inward processing and the outward focusing towards production. That shift is off and on all the day. And in sleep, you have the most time for all of that. Um, I would say super brainstorm. It's not my word, actually. That's the University of Utrecht who came of that. It's in the Netherlands. And they were like, wait a minute. So your brain is constantly thinking. And in your sleep, it's constantly making new connections and, and just for, does this for free with all kind of new information. This is why dreams seem so weird, by the way. But it's also why you wake up with a good idea in the morning sometimes. But if you have all that free brainstorming, I'm thinking, why aren't we making the most of that? You're doing it. You feel rested while you do it. That's like multitasking 101. So now how can you make that work for you? How can you do it focused on what you want to be thinking about? That was exactly going to be our, our next question. Do you have to train your brain to become more productive when you're asleep if you're not getting that productivity in your sleep time. We obviously, we've already spoken about how important it is to make sure you get the right amount of sleep and you're sleeping at the right time for uh, for your rhythms and stuff. But let's just assume you've nailed all that. Then how do you make the time you're asleep become more productive than perhaps it already is? I like that question a lot because it goes for basically everything in your life. Like, sure, you have the time, you have the brain power. What are you going to do with it now? Um, there's some research I want to throw at your way. If you take, Dutch research, if you take a group of people and you give them a 10-minute presentation on, hey, we want to get volunteers motivated, that's not easy, as we all know, how, do you, how would you do it? You're going to go home, you're going to sleep on it, and you're going to tell me the answer in the morning. They get really good results by sleeping on it. But this is one of the tricks how you can kickstart your brain. This same test was done with the control group who, while they were getting the presentation, had a little really nice smell in the room. In this case, it was just an air freshener. It was vanilla, you know, lovely. So they got this whole presentation while smelling vanilla. No one notices what the room smells like, but, you know, it sticks in your brain somehow, right? Because smell association is so strong. And they got a little stick with that air freshener home. And they says, put it next to your bed. Just, just do it, you know, just, just, and this is a little paper that has the problem. And then in the morning, tell us your first 20 ideas. Sure enough, the people who had the smell next to their bed, making their brain remember the problem better, just by association, you don't have to do anything for it. It's automatic. Those were the people who in the morning came up with the best ideas and were better at identifying which idea was a good idea. And I'm talking 50% better, not just like marginally, but noticeably better. I'm off to buy some vanilla sticks. We often talk about smells on the show. Mm. It's one of the questions that we ask at the end. One of the random questions is about favourite smells. And, and everyone tends to answer uh, that question by coming up with a smell that has an association with a, maybe a, a historical event or something that's happened in their past. Uh, so, yes, yeah, smell is a very evocative sense for, uh, for memory, I suppose. And it doesn't wake you up. So what I do now, if I have a presentation or if I work on something, while I'm working on it, I have something, I don't know, it could be a diffuser or whatever, but just something with a specific smell that I like next to me. And I put it next to my bed. 
So then I can sleep as much as I want because I know my brain will keep working on it by association. And in the morning, all I have to do is write down my first ideas to not lose them, right? And it works like a charm. Of course, I don't have a control me next to it. So I can't tell you if I come up with better ideas, but I do know that I feel rested and it saves me a lot of time in the day because whatever I come up with at night, I could just keep working on in the morning. I'm so doing that. That's great, isn't it, Claire? Yeah, yeah, so am I. We're shopping for vanilla sticks. Smell doesn't wake you up. They've also done the test with like a little bell or something that's soft enough to not wake you up. Sure, that works as well, but that might wake up your partner or might be annoying. Whereas smell, everybody loves to have a nice smelling bedroom. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, going back to what you were saying, um, sleeping on a problem. So I, I remember this when I was growing up, uh, my grandmother saying to me, just don't think about it now. Just sleep on it and see how you feel in the morning. Do you think that's really useful for business owners to do if they're having that you know, challenge thought process, they can't quite grasp the answer, but they can't sort of gain any clarity. Do you think that indeed is very useful to do? Yes, 100%. Hard science to prove it. But it works with complex processes, especially when it's something you get stuck with in the day. Now, taking it back a step, um, there's still some stories around from the 80s that the brain activity that we have in the night and therefore our dreams are random and that our dreams are a byproduct product of all that random brain activity. That is not true. Super measurable. If you see a red car, if you think of a red car, or if you dream of a red car, very similar brain activity. This is your brain actually at work. So yes, if you sleep on a pro problem, what you get is your brain working, super focused, but making connections that you might not have come up with within the day. Why? Because your neurotransmitters in your sleep are much more focused on broad thinking and making new connections, which you wouldn't be able to do in the day. Otherwise you would keep, in, keep running into things because you need to focus on your outside world. In sleep, you don't have to do it. So you have all the time to yourself. And that means you can think, but with all of the ideas you've ever had, your entire subconscious can think with you. Um, your entire intuition, things you saw out of the corner of your eye can think with you. That is fantastic, but it's also a downside because this is where what I see in my work and in research a lot. Yes, your grandma was right. Yes, you can sleep on it. But if you're thinking about how do I do my taxes properly, and you go to sleep and you really want to focus on that, but at the same time, your relationship is falling apart, that's going to be more important to you. So there is no way you can steer yourself to doing thinking about boring taxes while in fact your heart is with your relationship. Your brain in sleep is going to follow your emotions, not the other way around. So one thing we did touch on, which I want to delve into a little bit more, which is perhaps perhaps a little bit more of a, a stranger concept is the fact that you can use your dreams to help you solve problems and how uh, you can really run a business in your sleep by uh, the dreams and by analysing the dreams that you have overnight. Now, I know this works. And I'll tell you how I know this works is because it happens to me a lot. Uh, give you a good example. At the moment, I'm working on a music video for a client. Uh, and last night, I was in the middle of the editing process yesterday uh, and I went to bed and left it because I was 
too tired. And last night I had a few ideas in my sleep. I dreamt about the editing and I dreamt about the video and I woke up and I thought, oh, I'm going to do that because I remembered my dream. And obviously there are some dreams and maybe we'll touch on those a little bit later on. There are some dreams where I have absolutely no idea what they mean. But is it really true that you can actually analyze your dreams and use those to solve problems in your waking life? I'm going to say yes, out of my experience. And it does make sense because um, a lot of um, researchers, as I said, see sleeping and dreaming um, as sort of a, a form of mentation. At Harvard University, they call dreaming sleep mentation, thinking in your sleep. And they start seeing the dream that you remember from that as kind of a like a note, like a little post-it from a huge brainstorm session. Sometimes that's very condensed, so you have to unpack it a little bit. But sometimes it's super one-on-one. A story that I love is uh, from the band Leonard Skinner, like back in the day. They they wrote the song Sweet Home Alabama. I don't know if you know it. Oh, I love that Me song. Too. Yeah. One of my favorite songs. So they were working on the song, like really working it. They would always jam on a song and, and until late at night when everybody was tired and went immediately went to sleep. So that means it was very close to your heart. They they were they were basically they said we we would just rehearse, rehearse until we could dream the song, literally. But this time with Ed King, one of the guitarists. He dreamt the solo that's in there, like there's two guitar solo in there, and he dreamt both of them, note for note. And he woke up with them and ran to the studio and said, you guys, I dreamt the guitar solo, it has to be this. I've heard that so many times from musicians where they've kind of had a dream and they've had this great idea and it's turned into a song. I think there's a couple of Beatles songs that came that way too. For sure. And Keith Richard had had satisfaction uh, gotten to him that way. He had a recorder next to his bed, immediately recorded before it's gone. Lenny Kravitz wrote a whole album that way. Great story. I was going to ask you, yeah, it's brilliant. I was going to ask you, how much notice should we take of our dreams? Because sometimes I wake up and I think, what was that about? It makes no logical sense. You know, oh, I've had plenty of those. I have those a lot. You know, the people that are in it, I'm like, but sometimes there's two lots of people who are the same. Do you know what I mean? And I just wake up, I think, what does that mean? But then I think because we lead such fast paced lives, you know, you maybe have a little moment to reflect on it think about it and think I don't understand what that was about and then we don't think about it anymore and then very often we can't remember it It, it's gone so do you think we should really take notice of what our dreams are telling us uh yes and no I mean it would be exhausting to take notice of everything every morning all the time because you know you kind of feel when something sticks in your mind or not going to give you a small example of um, a woman named Annie who came to me just you know over clubhouse and she said I keep having the same dream and I I don't get it. I'm in a room, could be a hotel room, could be a house, and we have to get out of there. There's a deadline. Could be, you know, in the hotel room, there's checkout coming up, or in the house, there's it's foreclosed, or we have to move, or whatever. But there's a deadline. It's coming up real fast. Everything's a mess. And I'm standing there trying to pack the suitcases, and no one's helping me. And I'm thinking, why am I even doing this? This isn't even my job. It's not even my mess. And then I wake up. And she kept having that dream over and over again. Now, what I then do is not go online and look up somewhere like, what does it mean when you dream of a hotel room? That's not going to get you anywhere because it's highly personal what you're thinking about, right? No book knows that. I've often wondered that because there are those like, you know, I'm having a dream that I'm flying or I'm 
I'm naked in a public place and all that. And then, you, oh, there's a book and, oh, that means this and that means that. But And, and I've always looked at that and thought, that can't be right. It must be different for different people, surely. Well, it is. I mean, sure. Yeah, obviously we have the same language. So some imagery that we use every day is the same. So there's something to it. But that doesn't mean that it'll be applicable to your life always. I'm going to give you a really simple trick. I asked her to verbalize it. Like, give me, get, like, what does it feel like? What do, you, what do you wish you would have done? What, what, what would you have needed? Well, she said immediately, I need some help. I need an A-team to come in and just take care of this because I'm too busy to do all of this. The words that you say to yourself in that moment can usually tell you so much more than any book could. Because when I told her, wait a minute, wait a minute, Annie, is there anywhere in your life when you feel like what you're doing isn't even your job, it's someone else's mess and you have more important things to do? I thought it would be personal, but she said, Oh, that's my business. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I just need, sometimes I just need some temps because you know what? Sometimes I just need some temps because I can't be doing all of this. You know what? I have those dreams every time a situation like that comes up. Now that's feedback from your subconscious and that you can use. Yeah. I've had uh, similar dreams actually over again. Um, and I swear I can pause them and restart them for a different outcome. That's awesome. I love that. Is it now time for me to go or have you heard of this before? Wait, what, what, wait, say that again. So you're having a dream and then yeah. you're asleep, obviously having this dream. Yeah. And then halfway through the dream, you think, right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pause yeah. that. Like you're like a, like a, you're watching something on Netflix yeah. or something and then come back to it the following day and pick up from where you left off. Straight away afterwards. So then I can wake up and close my eyes again. It rewinds, replays, and then I can change the outcome. Wow. Well, I mean, yes, you can have the same thought twice. So why couldn't you have the same dream twice? Um, um, from a science perspective, there's a whole theory about this, that dreams from an evolutionary standpoint could have been a great tool for um, testing out different outcomes to a problem. We can try things out really vividly until you find a way that you're happy with and only then implement it. I think I'm, I'm probably going to regret saying this, Claire, but I think maybe at the end mm. uh, we should hear one of your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll share one of mine. <laughs> oh, I don't sure. know what to pick. I'm quite sure I've just said that out loud, but I have just said that out loud, so it's now a thing. Prepare to have your mind blown. Now, one of the things that I started doing at the beginning of lockdown, and I do it religiously, and I swear it has a difference to my day, and I notice when I don't do it, is meditation. Now, I meditate for like 20 minutes maybe every morning after a workout normally. I have a more productive day as a result and I get more done. I don't procrastinate as much. Um, am I making it up or is that a real thing? 100% the real thing. Because meditation is one of those mental states that is very close to REM sleep where you do already a lot of your thinking. Like seriously, part of your thinking happens while you sleep. If you cut it off, you have to start doing it in the day, but meditation is a way to compensate. Meditation is so close to it, to that process that, and, and since you're awake, you know it, that the outcome, you're, you're smarter, you're more productive, your day goes smoother. Why? Because part of all of that subconscious intelligence that you needed to get you to a place of decision-making, you've already done. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, that kind of brings brings us on nicely. And by the way, Claire, we are coming back to our, our biggest, our favourite dreams in a second. So I oh, really don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm not letting that one go. Uh, but I thought what we'd do to, to wrap up is have sort of a bit of a sort of three golden rules for golden sleep, which makes more productive sleep. So what would you suggest people could do or work on right now to make sure their sleep is more productive? First of all, make the mind shift. 
Know that if you sleep in, you're not being lazy, you're being super productive because you give your brain a chance to do its work for you. Um, to enhance that process, you can write down a problem right before you go to sleep and make sure you have that pen and paper that you just wrote it down on next to. So in the morning, you can write down whatever you want, your first 20 ideas, maybe a dream, maybe a feeling, whatever comes to you. And then personally, I would take a break, get some breakfast, go for a jog, go back and review it because that's when you're completely rational now. You've let go of all that subconscious thinking. Now we're in execution mode and then you can evaluate. Is any of this useful or do I do it again tomorrow morning? Maybe with a different question. Okay, so just before we go into our questions at the end, I would love to know one of Paul's dreams. Oh, you want me to go first? Yes, I do want you to go first because it's your <laughs> idea, so therefore you can go right. first. Sure, yeah. I'm laughing already. I don't even know what you're going to say. So we keep chickens and I also have a cat, a ginger tom called Marvin. I woke up one morning. This is, this is in my dream. This is not real. So I woke up one morning. And I found out that Marvin had been uh, getting out in the night and having sex with the chickens. Oh my God. But as a result of this, we had little uh, chicken stroke kitten hybrid babies, uh, which we called chittens. Right. And, uh, and we got these chittens and they're half cat, half chicken. Uh, and they're roaming around our garden. And then the media gets interested. We have newspapers arrive. Sky TV's on our doorstep doing this great report about these chittens and all the while i'm thinking how angry i am with marvin because he's been shagging the chickens i can't talk oh paul i love that now what i'm most interested in um like usually dream analysis takes about 30 minutes to an hour we're not going to do that but what i'm most interested in is why were you angry because you got all this media attention but you didn't like that or something I don't know why. I don't know why. I was just, well, not angry, but I was just sort of maybe just annoyed with, uh, annoyed with Marvin for shagging the chickens. I don't, I, that's, that, that's, that's as far as my logic goes, I'm afraid. Why was Marvin not supposed, there's a logical reason in your dream why he wasn't, or in your mm -hmm. life, why he wasn't supposed to shag the chickens. Well, it's just wrong, isn't it? Because <clears throat> it's not normal. It's just like, you know, chickens and cats <laughs> okay. and, and sex. It's just, it's not a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I've, I've, I totally lost it then when you told, when you told us about that dream. I've just literally stopped crying. Oh. You clear up. Dream, go. Okay. So. The best one's going to make it for the edit. <laughs> You're just so mean putting her on the spot. I should just refuse to do this now just because you said that. It's dreadful, isn't it? I know. I'll put them both in. Don't worry. I'll, I'll put them both in. Okay, so my one, the first one that comes to mind is actually a recurring dream that I have. It always happens where I used to live with my mum and dad. We used to have a long straight road to, uh, on the way to our house and I used to run, in my dream, so I run up and down this road and I hitch a ride on a fire-breathing dragon <laughs> who comes through the trees and then we saw really <laughs> high up and we can see down on all of the houses. So it's like a bird's eye view, I guess, a little bit. And it's the most awesome thing to do. And this dragon's my friend. And wherever I want to go, anywhere in the world. Oh, that's a great dream. I love that. <laughs> it's like the character from Game of Thrones. I can't remember her name. Do you know what actually it is? It's quite similar to that. But what's it really interesting is I've taken this one step further where when the children were small, I actually recreated a story which was based on that dream, which I read back to them. And I would take the children... Uh, through that imaginary process of 
being on their own dragon. I love that. Talk about creativity here. And it's really powerful because I can, I can feel that hear the flapping of the wings and I can feel the breeze in the air. You know, it's so powerful. I love that. It's like better than better than cats shagging chickens. Anyway. I'm disturbed by your dream. <laughs> so am I. I. I don't know what I'm more disturbed by, the dream or you now. <laughs> or, or the cat. Or the cat, yeah. This is one I would never analyse because the way you talk about it and the way you've already worked with it yourself and just the smile that comes to mm. my face, even listening to it, tells me that this is a source of power for you. Oh, that's cool. And I love that. Wouldn't touch it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Just keep on having that dream. I want dreams like that. That's great. Mm. All right. We always finish off with a set of questions, all inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actors Studio. If you haven't heard about the show or don't know anything about it, go look it up. It's on YouTube. It's not a show that's on TV anymore, but it's great, really good, especially if you like Hollywood. Go and watch it. Our questions are always inspired by that. They have absolutely nothing to do with what we uh, talk about during the episode but they're just a little bit of fun. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Uh, and we're back to smells again. What's your favourite smell? That's question number Ooh, one. I would say, do you know that moment when you go to the beach and you're walking over the dunes and you're seeing the beach for the first time and the sun hits your face and the sea air hits your face? That smell. Oh, that's a I could one. have that any day. That is a really lovely one. I like the way you described that too. That sounds lovely. Um, okay, what about your favourite biscuit? I'm Dutch, so I have Dutch pride. Um, I would say, do you know stroopwafels? It's it's pronounced stroopwafel in, in in English and American oh, English. Love those things. No. Have you ever had them? When you heated them up a little bit, like either in a pan or an oven, and it gets all gooey in the middle. So for those who don't know it, is these really thin wafers. And in between, there's a caramel syrup. And I don't know, it doesn't sound like much, but it's delicious. I didn't realize you had to sort of heat them up in that way. I'd always um, heard that the way to heat them up is to have you having them with a cup of coffee or something. You rest them on the top of the mug because they just sit on the rim uh, and then they warm up the uh, syrup in the middle that way. Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. That's the story. But if you heat them up in an oven on a pan, they get a little crispier. And, <laughs> you know, so you have the crunchy outside and the gurus, the syrup on the on the inside. Love it. You've got to calm yourself down, I'm Paul. Doing that. that sounds calm amazing. <laughs> my God, I'm salivating here. Oh dear, I've now regained my composure now after stifling that laugh from earlier. So thank you so much, uh, Nicolina. It's been such a fascinating topic. We could talk all day about this. It's um, really, really been so, so valuable. So thank you so much. So if anybody would like to connect with you um, and to reach out to you to uh, make contact, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, you can find me online. Um... My website for English-speaking crowds is called dreamingbrain.club, like a club of people who dream and like brains, not in a zombie way, just, you know, not creepy. <laughs> dreamingbrain.club. Um, you can find me uh, as Nicolina for Dreams on Instagram or on Clubhouse. And my DMs are always open. I'm always happy to talk dreams. This is The Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. Well, that's given me some things to think about. All the things that you can do to make your sleep a lot more productive. That was really interesting, wasn't it? I never would have thought of so many of those points that were mentioned. You know, the light, the light that we're looking at, you know, making sure that we're prepping ourselves before we go to sleep. Um, and actually how active our minds are, because I just thought 
well, maybe it's just my mind, but I just thought when you go to sleep, your mind stops. And that whole smell <laughs> thing was amazing. I'd never even thought about that. We already know from talking about smells on the show that smells are very evocative of memory. So why would you not have some nice smells in your bedroom to help you think more clearly when you're asleep? It just makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm definitely going to. I'm definitely going to try that because um, we've talked about the smells before and the uh, memories that that brings back to a lot of people through you know emotional. Uh, you know, emotional stories and experiences, but I guess it makes sense. Why wouldn't it work the same way to challenge your brain into thinking and feeling happier so you can have happy thoughts and be more productive? So vanilla sticks it is on my list for my shopping at the weekend. Yeah, if it's a smell that makes you feel good and it's a smell that you associate with maybe a happier time in your life or uh, some sort of pleasant experience, then, yeah, you should be having that in your bedroom. I'm going to be having some baked bread every night in my bed. Baked bread. <laughs> Do you know what? I was actually thinking about coffee beans because they say when you're selling a house, don't they, to have some coffee beans, but would that not wake you up? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, I'm sorry, it's getting a bit random. Time for some recommended reading now. Adam Daniel spends the whole month reading loads of business and self-development books and then joins us on the show and talks about his faves. So here are Adam's top three reads for the month. Welcome to my monthly book review. And this month I managed to read five books. Now the three books that I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper into are Resilience from Harvard Business Review, Emotional Agility, and Make Your Bed. So let's start with Resilience, brilliant book. And ultimately this digs deep into the traits that successful people have when it comes to resilience, i.e. those people that seem to come out stronger and better than when they went into a challenging time. So what can we learn from those people? What do they all have in common? So it digs deep into that. However, the key thing in this book is that it really looks at how you can train your brain to be more resilient. Because resilience isn't just an attitude, it's something we can actually improve upon. And it gives you the tips on how to do that. So if you want to be more resilient, this book is for you. Then Make Your Bed by Admiral William McRaven. Brilliant book. If you haven't seen his YouTube video from 2014, highly recommend it. It gave me goosebumps. It's extremely inspirational and will just blow your mind. This book just takes his 10 lessons on, on life that he spoke about on the video and expands them. Again, it's simple, it's clear and concise. This one I would recommend to everyone. And it always starts with the same thing each day. Make your bed. Brilliant book. Definitely worth a read. And the final book was Susan David and Emotional Agility, which is a practical science-backed guide to looking inward and living intentionally. By urging us to work with and not against our emotions, it is saying that we can actually thrive once we understand where we're at. It gives us the tools we need to be more adaptable and more resilient so we can truly thrive in life. Again, I would highly recommend this book. Keep reading and I'll see you next month. 
you'd like to find out more about Adam's Top Reads, then you can find all of our links by going to thebiglittlebusinessshow.co.uk. And that pretty much does it for this week. Thank you very much to Nicolina for all her top advice so we can get more productive in our sleep. And of course to Adam for our top reads of the month before we go to bed. Let us know what you think about the show, what you'd like in future episodes. And you can do all that while you're clicking subscribe or follow on whichever platform you're listening to us on right now. I'm feeling a little bit sleepy now. Say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. Big Little Business Show.